0: Well, we're going to have an interesting show today. Some acts by people are just unimaginable, even in our wildest of nightmares, or their wildest of nightmares, actually. Bestiality is an example. Most investigators have never had a case in a career, but my guest today, private investigator from Southern California, has had three. Surprisingly, such animal abuse is only a misdemeanor in most jurisdictions. It's only when there's other factors, such as those involving humans, other humans, besides the, that person, that bestiality becomes a serious concern in a legal arena. Private investigator Jan Tucker is going to share his wacky experiences investigating cases that are almost beyond belief. Jan Tucker may have actually been destined to become a private investigator. He was born on August 25th, just two days from today, Mrs. Birthday, the birthday of famous detective Alan Pinkerton. Happy birthday, Jan.
2: Thank you, Ms. Francie. Yeah,
0: and, he, and even then, it was a fluke that happened when uh, he was promoted from a security officer to an undercover investigator. He was lured into investigation while he was working his way through graduate school. He had a bachelor's with a double major in political science and Chicano studies and had completed 22 units toward his master's, but he never looked back. Good morning, Jan. Let's talk about your early years in private investigation first. So you... You were a security officer.
2: Yeah, I was working for uh, uh, Duber Industrial Security, graveyard shift at Kaiser, and uh, in Panorama City. And, you know, normally you do what I did and you wind up getting your ass kicked. Instead, I wound up promoted. I brought unfair labor charges against the company. Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, see i had, i had this I had this real nut of a watch commander uh, i was uh, the turnover was so heavy that after three months, I was acting watch commander on what we call Saturday night Live, which is a uh, Sunday morning graveyard shift uh in a hospital uh-huh. and uh, that 's a nightmare, especially in the emergency room you know as soon as the bars close up after last call. You know your hospital emergency rooms. You know fill up with uh, knife victims, gunshot victims, uh, people stabbed with uh, broken uh, beer bugs. I mean, you, David, they're not particularly a problem. Their drunken friends who bring them in
0: are right, right, right.
2: So, long story short, I'm going to bring the unfair labor charges against the wannabe. Uh, nutcase, uh, watch commander I had normally. And instead of kicking my ass, killing me, or firing me, they wind up promoting me.
0: Oh, great.
2: <laughs> so I, I, wind up in Manny, California, which is like being in Siberian exile as an industrial janitor. And in a couple of weeks, they find out I'm the best undercover guy they've ever seen because instead of a security guard who can read and write, you know, who got promoted, They got a guy who's got uh, 22 units towards an M.A. special major with a 4.0 GPA. And instead of finding guys, you know, stealing tools out of the tool crib, which I found plenty of, or, you know, smoking dope in the bathroom, I find there's a major case of sex discrimination going on in the plant that could have cost the uh, company uh, three-quarters of their federal subcontracts. Okay. And they decided, well, hey, you know, this guy just saved our business. He must. He must uh, know something. I wind up working my way up the business, you know. For uh, the next three years, undercover, and in one of those cases, uh, I spent eleven months basically in the neighborhood that I grew up in, mm-hmm. working alongside with two guys who were in my junior high graduating class, and I'm the only gringo in the in this plant.
0: And you're using your own name too,
2: correct? Yes, and, and I'm the only guy who could work undercover and run for Congress at the same time.
0: Yeah, I remember that you, uh, actually defeated, um, or you upset a ranking California Congressman, Jim Corman, at the, when you ran for the U.S. House of Representatives.
2: Yeah, yeah, I got seven, I mean, he got seven, he lost by 750 votes to Bobby Fiedler. And I got 2,100 votes, so I was credited with throwing the election. Uh, they were not real happy with me, as you can imagine. I
0: can imagine. <laughs> so at the same time, you're undercover at this this plant. Yeah,
2: yeah, and I used it as as, as part of the part of the uh, undercover game. You know, everyone knew that I was running for Congress. You know, and uh, I was listed on the ballot as Attorney Service Manager uh-huh. uh, because I also had a side job running a uh, Olympic Attorney Service with my mentor Jim McDonald. Well, I. Well, <laughs> uh, I, I, I convince everyone, you know, they go, hey, Tucker, what the, f- is, uh, attorney service manager? I, what I, what I say is, uh, yeah, well, I, I, I run this illegal capping operation for this attorney. And, uh, so guys are coming up to me out of the woodwork, uh, hey, Tucker, I was going to do this phony workers comp. You know, I got a really crooked attorney, but if you got a, a an attorney who's even more crooked, I'll go with him. So, oh, yeah, sure, man. You know, tell me what you're going to do. You know, I'm sitting there writing it all down for my undercover report. It was just unbelievable. But eventually, I get transferred from one plant to the, to another. I duke in Francis Xavier Riley, um, who was working for John Epic of Epic Investigations in San Diego. Okay. We needed him to make buys. Cause I mean, I was... I'd been buying everything from PCP to heroin on the job, you know, uh, with these clans. Guys were shooting up uh, heroin and driving the forklift through the wall. You know, they'd smoke uh, PCP and uh, not put on their gloves uh, while handling um, very sharp metals. They'd be bleeding over everything. It kind of, kind of messed up the product. So anyway, I, we, I do get Francis... And, uh, in plant number one, where I was a warehouseman, I then get transferred to plant number two, where I was an inspector. The first day I get in, uh, all the guys come up to me at lunch and say, hey, Tucker, you want to have a real laugh? Go up to Andres, the supervisor, and ask if he likes to have sex with donkeys. Uh-huh. They used a different epithet. Yeah,
0: I'm sure they did.
2: Yeah. So... I'm like, yeah, right. This is the hazing for the new guy, right? I'm going to go up to him and ask him if he likes to have sex with donkeys. He's going to kick my ass, right? They go, no, Tucker, it's going to be really funny. Just go up and ask him. What he's going to see is he's going to trip you out. Yeah, no, I don't do it. You know, I think this this is ridiculous. You know, and you,
0: I, you think You think this is a setup, right?
2: Yeah, I think. You know, I'm not that naive. I, this can't possibly be true. I'm, get, I, You know, I'm going to be beaten by this guy to a pulp. Every day for the next two months, they're begging and pleading with me. And they're like, you can see they're practically crying. It's, it, it's so funny to them. You know, they say, go on, Tucker. He's not going to kick your ass. He's not going to beat you up. He's not even going to get pissed off. Just go up and ask him if he likes to have sex with bockies. So, finally, I figure, okay, today's my day for an ass-whipping. I I resolve, I'm going to do it. No matter what this does to the undercover operation, you know, I just can't put up with this stuff anymore. So I go up to Andres, uh, hey, uh, Andres, uh, uh, so the guys were telling me you like to have sex with donkeys, uh, it was kind of interesting that, oh, yeah, man, would you like to come over to my house and have sex with my donkey, too? <laughs> I'm... Now, he was serious. He was absolutely freaking serious. Now, you got to have an immediate comeback for that.
0: <laughs> and yours was what?
2: Uh well actually uh no I don't but you know I'm I'm kind of interested in alternative lifestyles on race so, <laughs> you know the guys the guys were telling me about this oh yeah man I got I got donkeys I got goats I got a sheep my sheep she's almost as good as my wife
0: oh my goodness
2: I, I'm tripping I mean I am freaking tripping out but yeah you know it's part of my job the guy is solicited apparently every guy in the factory. To come over to his house and commit a crime. You know? Yeah. So, I, so I write up in my report, uh, at such and such a date and time, Supervisor Andres so and so solicited me to commit a violation of Section 286.5 of the California Penal Code. And
0: Two, that penal code is essentially says.
2: Any, that, any, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, any person who sexually assaults any animal protected by Section 597F for the purpose of arousing or gratifying the sexual desire of the person is guilty of a misdemeanor.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Now, back in 1872, when the Code was first adopted, the old Section 286 used to refer to the crime as being, quote, the infamous crime against nature committed with mankind. Or with any animal. Yeah. So, um, two weeks later, I get hauled in for a meeting to the detective agency with old Clyde Duber. Clyde, at that time, was had the oldest individual license in in the state. I mean, he'd been a PI since the 40s. Clyde was straight out of film (laughs) noir. And... There are two of the principals of the company, the company uh, CFO and the company uh, vice president for operations. And they are irate, and I don't know why. I'm like, like, what did I do to deserve this attention? They go, you understand that your reports are legal documents, correct? Of course. And you understand you're not supposed to put jokes in them. Yeah, of course I don't put jokes in them. Well, what about this? And they point to the section with the 286.5 solicitation. I go, yeah, what about it? Isn't this a joke? No. I go, look, Andres, your supervisor there, has solicited everyone in the plant to, to come up to his house and have sex with his animals. Their I jo- can't
0: imagine what the, their faces look like.
2: Their jaws drop.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they
2: did. They look at me. They look at each other. They look at me. Total silence. You know. And, and finally, one of them says, "Well, we don't care what he does on his own time." <laughs> I go. Neither do I. I go. <laughs> He solic- he committed he solicited people committed crime at work you know if he had asked people to come over to his house and smoke dope I'd have to report that wouldn't I if he asked people to steal from the company I'd have to report that well he commit he asked people to come up and have sex with his animals so I reported
0: it yeah now were there also there were just men at that at that uh, plant not women there were no women.
2: Uh, there were women at the first plant. There were no women at the second plant. And then a third plant that I went into, uh, there were women there too.
0: But this never, this activity never got to anybody, a female employee. No, no. And no, and nobody had ever reported it?
2: No, no one had ever reported it. To everyone, it was just a big joke. The guy was insane, you know. And he was a supervisor, you know, go figure.
0: And what did they think of him otherwise?
2: besides um, this
0: little proclivity for animals
2: they seem to think that he knew what he was doing you know see what we did in that plant. uh this is a company that made um fiberglass from scratch for the and then turned the fiberglass into printed circuit boards for you know uh any electronic instrument you know in the world and um what we did at that second plant, we inspected what we called the prepreg, which is uh, fiberglass before it's cooked into fiberglass. Uh-huh. And, you know, basically competent. Of course, uh, there were all sorts of safety violations. So the, one of the pretexts for my switching from plant number one to plant number two was because they were violating all the safety rules, which I was reporting on. Uh, they were violating the lifting rules. Where we weren't supposed to pack anything above 65 pounds, which is a UPS uh, United Parcel Service standard rule under their union contract. Mm-hmm. Even though this is a non-union plant, hey, UPS won't pick stuff up if it's over 65 pounds. So uh, you know it has this um, this effect throughout the the packing industry. And uh, I'd gotten a hernia because mm-hmm. guys on the day shift, I was on the swing shift in the first plant. They were uh, packing stuff way too um, uh, too heavy, uh, so I get a I get a hernia. I'm transferred to plant number two, under strict orders that were not supposed This guy is supposed to lift anything heavy. Well, again, at the second plant, they're violating the UPS 65 pound standard.
0: Okay, I- hang on a second, Dan. We need to take a quick break. Uh, Jan Tucker will be back in just a moment.
1: It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at CALI-PI.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the Council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com you're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler you can call into the program we'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 you can also email your question to Francie send it to f-r-a-n-c-i-e at pisdeclassified.com now, here's Francie Taylor.
0: Private investigator Jan Tucker has often had unusual investigations, but probably the most unusual has to be investigating cases involving bestiality. Okay, Jan. So you 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 have a hernia. You're having problems with uh, overweight on the packaging. Then what happened?
2: Okay, so I wound up getting a second hernia.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> and, you know what was amazing is later on when. When we had the, uh, when I was t- having my deposition taken by the workers comp carrier, no one had bothered to tell them I was undercover. And uh. that, that's another insane story for another day. But, you know, they went up they went up firing the attorney right after my deposition. It was so bizarre. But anyway, you know, the whole thing comes full circle. We leave, you know, Francis at plant one. You know, since he's from out of town, the idea is have him make buys he's used for the prosecution, and I'm going to get busted along with them, you know, figuratively speaking, Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to go right back, because now my my creds as a bad guy are really established, you know. So, one day, uh, Francis and Sergeant, then Sergeant Dunn, later Captain Dunn of Van Nuys Narcotics come in. Uh, they, they go to plant number one. He points out three guys, my, my old supervisor there, another supervisor, and one of the guys that I'd gone to junior high with. Um, and they take them out for dealing. They come into my plant. They arrest me, you know, or make it look like they are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can't actually write a better script than what happened. Okay. This is life imitating drama. I'm chained up with, uh, these three other guys at Van Nuys Admin Narcotics. And, you know, on a bench. And a guy comes up looking at this clipboard and says, which one of you is Sanchez? So I motion to the guys, hey, I'll, I'll handle this. <laughs> so I go, I'm Sanchez. He goes, okay, full name. Mi apellido es Sanchez. S-A-N-E-C-H-E-Z-A. Uh, mi nombre es Manuel. Uh, M A I N A U A L E. And he goes, okay, address me. Dirección is, and I make up some address. Yeah. He gets Social Security, Social Security. His I say, man, I ain't got one, man, because I'm an illegal man. Uh-huh. <laughs> he finally looks down from the clipboard and goes, God damn it, you're not Sanchez. <laughs> Tears up the booking form that he's working on. The three of the three guys and I—we're cracking up. I mean, you know, we're laughing ourselves sick. They've never seen anyone put on the cops like this, you know, in their whole life. So another cop comes up, you know, and goes, "What's with these dudes? Are they are they are they are they loaded? Because no, they were sober when we took the men. <laughs> um, so he goes, "You know, don't you guys understand? You're going to prison." I've never seen anyone so happy to be going to prison. Now, what's the best way in those days in the 80s, uh, early 80s, to piss off a cop in LAPD? This is before LAPD became gay friendly. So attack his masculinity. Uh huh. So I go, hey, F you. And, you know, these guys, their jaws drop, and all these other cops come up. And then the guys I'm chained up with are like pleading with me Tucker, Shut up. They're gonna they're gonna kick your ass when they catch you alone. You know, I, I go, no, man. On the way over uh in the car, they were speculating that their lieutenant is gay because his uh license plate reads IGGH and they speculated that it meant I give good head. I see. And you know, and, and these kind these cops are like majorly furious, you know, and, and the guys are pleading with me, Tucker, shut up. They're going to kill all of us. They're going to beat us with rubber hose. They're going to take us in the elevator and stop it between four. And I'm going on and on. Because I've got, you know, none of these cops except Sergeant Dunn and my partner, Francis, know that I'm undercover. But I need to impress these guys that I'm the baddest of the bad
0: Mm
2: -hmm. and worry about the police later. Just then, I kid you not, I can't. You can't make stuff like this up. I glance up into the next room where Sergeant Dunn is at his desk. On the ceiling, attached to the ceiling, pointing down at him, is a a foot-and-a-half-long dildo. You're kidding. I I wish I was. (laughs) Uh, You know, and as if to say, like, piss on you, asshole, you know. So... So I, I I point to it, you know, uh, holding holding in my hand that's chained down. More I go, look, look, look at what they got on the ceiling. I told you, these guys are all gay here. And Sergeant Dunn looks up and sees it. God damn it. What the hell is going on? That's all I need. Dildos hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> what if the captain comes in for an inspection? Yep. So... So one of these guys sheepishly jumps up on his, on the desk and pulls it down, you know. And all these guys are like, you know, nonplussed, you know. Anyway, they take the, th- they take the other three guys away one after another after they book them. Now a bunch of guys are coming up with monad knocks and sappy gloves and, uh, truncheons. I mean, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're going to kick the living daylights out of me. I go, wait, guys, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. We're here to explain <laughs> things to you in no uncertain terms. I go, wait, no, guys. Just then, Dunn and Riley see what's going on. They come running in for the next room. They go, no, no, leave him alone. He's working for us. He's just crazy, is all. <laughs> That's great. Yes. <Yeah>, so, <laughs> Jaws are now dropping again, like, you're undercover? I go, yeah, that's what I'm trying to, we almost killed you. I go, hey, better better I get an ass whipping from you guys than I have to go back in a day and a half, uh, you know, in a couple of days, and work work at the same plant again. These guys got to think I'm the worst of the worst. So, Dunn gives me a phony booking slip, and this, this was classic. Supposedly, I looked on failure to appear before a federal grand jury investigating a crime in the state of New York. Okay. And unlawful sex with a minor. And escape from Rikers Island. Okay. Well, the story becomes that I was mobbed up in New York which is kind of the way we carried it off between me and Riley. see he was from Brooklyn. I have a slight Brooklynese accent. So we came up with this thing that I got into amorphous trouble after junior high, which is why no one saw me and had to go back to the family digs in Brooklyn and blah, blah, blah. So um, the story becomes I I refused to testify against the mob. They had jailed for contempt in Rikers. But then the head of the mob found out I'd, I'd had sex with his daughter. And given her venereal disease. Great. So he was going to have me, have me shanked in Rikers. So I bribed a guard and I escaped and, you know, (laughs) life imitating drama and they fell for it. Look, line and seeker. Now, the, the, the booking slip in addition lists me as special medical problems, hepatitis and venereal disease. (laughs) Jeez. And, personal contact in case of emergency, your mama. As as if I'm sitting there, you know, continuing to mouth off to these guys as they're doing my booking slip. So when I get back two days later, back to the factory I was working in, everyone's like in awe. I mean, this is like something they see on TV. Mm-hmm. Look, we knew you were bad. We didn't know you were that bad.
0: <laughs> Jesus. So you had their respect.
2: Yes, I, I had major. your
0: well, so Jan, um, explain would you uh, when you're working undercover, um, like in a job like this? You're actually working for the company as a regular employee, right. and then at the same time you're working for the agency that has placed you in an undercover position at that company.
2: Precisely, and you know there'll be the, the- whatever hourly rate I get, um, you know, from the covered job. And then they bring me up to, to a scale with a, uh, an additional paycheck from the investigator company. Now, the way we worked at, uh, you know, with CN and Associates, if I got a, um, I mean, if I get a raise from the, the cover company, I got the identical raise from the detective agency. Uh, if I did overtime in the cover job, I got overtime with the agency. If I I uh, worked extra hours after hours, then I got an additional amount. So, you know, if I had to go out drinking, lynching, and carousing after work, you know, shoot and pull with these guys, drinking till all hours, that was all on the clock. Mm-hmm. You know, now, of course, it's very dangerous to be drinking with, with these guys. Yeah. As they say in Latin, in vino veritas, in, when there is truth. And, uh, whereas my Ukrainian, uh, ancestors would would have said, what's on a sober man's mind is on a drunk man's tongue. (laughs) It's an intense psychological compulsion, you know, at times to, uh, to want to, want to come out, uh, you you know, of the closet with guys you're drinking with. You know, you have this schizoid kind of existence. Where, you know, in in normal times, some of these big guys be your friends and you feel like you're betraying them. Uh, you know, it takes, it takes the utmost willpower to be drunk with these guys and not make a mistake that's going to get you killed.
0: And then, uh, then after you finish your day, whatever the time that is, even if you've been out drinking, then you still have to write a report?
2: Exactly. And, um, you know, the things you're going to report are not only crimes, but company rule violations. You know, it's very valuable for them to know that, for example, that the, uh, the lifting, uh, the, the weight requirements were being, uh, violated. They, you know, they don't need workers' comp, uh, you know, occurrences, uh, that, that are going to jack up their rights. They don't need, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, uh, violating uh, rules on how to um, you know it might be as simple as how to pack materials. You know, you you pack a, a, a circuit board improperly, it messes up uh, someone's electronic components. You know, you're going to get kickbacks on stuff like that. You know, from the uh, from the customers. Right. Um, One of the interesting things in that particular job is that it turned out that the uh, vice president for shipping and receiving for the whole company was an industrial spy for their main competitor. Hmm. He was having orders duplicated without any paperwork. He also owned the, the local hauling company that he was giving all the local hauling contracts to.
0: Was that all exposed?
2: Uh, Yeah, and and it was all out. Everyone knew this in the plant, including the plant manager. But the people upstairs in the company, the vice presidents and the CFO, and they were clueless. When I told them, I go, well, you know that so-and-so owns such-and-such trucking company. I mean, they were speechless. Wow. And so he duplicate orders, you know, get duplicated orders without any paperwork, put them on his own trucking company. Uh, the company Duber put, uh, a couple of surveillance guys on the truck. They wound up following one of these trucks all the way up to Fremont, uh, to their main competitor and dropping stuff off on a weekend when no one was there, you know, and someone just comes out, opens the, opens the gate, and they go
0: on in. Very c- creative enterprise. Okay, we gotta take another break, Jan. PIC Classified will be right back with private investigator Jan Tucker.
1: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the national
0: IRB Search is simply the best online data provider for locating people, businesses, and assets. IRB Search gives you strength in numbers. With one click, you can access billions of records. Even with partial information on your subject, IRB Search instantly returns current and past addresses, phone numbers, and more. Call IRB Search today at 1-800-447-2112 to sign up. Mention PIs Declassified and you'll receive a two-week trial of 100 free searches to get started. Call 1- 800-447-2112 to find out why IRB Search is simply the best. The Internet's
1: number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler
0: sex acts always draw our attention and Jan Tucker has investigated some peculiar ones. So we decided on the break that we would shift over from this weird world of bestiality into another very strange case that Jan has investigated. So Jan, take it from there.
2: Okay. Uh, Early in my career, I had a lot of uh, hospital clients for quite a while. I was a member of the International Association for Hospital Security. And Lo and behold, I get this one call out of Left Field from a hospital security director. Uh It was all over the news by the time he called me. A dead baby's body had been found in a trash dump. But they had traced it that it came from the Borg at this certain hospital. It's bad enough that the baby was dead and stolen from a morgue, but it had been molested after it was dead. Really? Yeah. Now, you know, where do you start with something like that? You know, I had had been urging this hospital for years to do criminal background checks on employees. Um, At one point, I had contracts with, you know, certain hospitals where I was doing, you know, thousands and thousands of criminal background checks. And we were literally catching three to four fugitives a week, you know, out of applicants. You know, who were actually wanted, you know, on everything from misdemeanors to major felonies. Uh, But anyway, this hospital had not done that, in spite of the fact that the security director had been urging the administration to do it for years. Hmm. Well, this was the the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, We start checking everyone who had had access to the morgue, everyone who had keys to the morgue. We find a guy, his, his rap sheet was as long as my arm maybe longer. He had previously been convicted of necrophilia, which is having sex with the dead. He had previously been convicted of child molestation. Well, it turns out that in this case, quite obviously, he had decided to combine both, both of these heinous acts.
0: Dan, excuse me, you're cutting out just a little bit for some reason? Yeah.
2: I, I have better
0: this is better right yes
2: okay yeah so he, he decided to combine both of these heinous acts into one and he molested the body of a dead baby um i mean th- you know we could ultimately couldn't prove it i mean anyone with half a brain realized that you know this is the guy who did it uh but at least he uh he got the message that he wasn't wanted any uh, there anymore um you know, some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes in hospitals, you know, is, is really twisted. There was an, another uh, major hospital chain got convinced that they had to do what we've been urging them to do uh, criminal background checks. There was a, a quadriplegic, um, you know, who also was unable unable to speak. The only way he could communicate was by blinking his eyes in Morse code. Mm-hmm. Well, this hospital orderly had been masturbating him uh, against his will for about six months before he was able to get anyone's attention and explain it to them you know with his with morse code well wow. um, there was another situation where at one hospital after another uh, it, it, it would pop up that um some sick puppy was uh making uh uh, really sick obscene phone calls to the um, all the kids in the pediatric ward it would start at one hospital it would stop after a month start at another hospital stop after a month we figured that it had to be a, uh, a an employee of a registry and because the registries weren't bothering to do criminal background checks on on their employees, uh, the person went undetected for years. Finally, he applied at a hospital that I had a contract with to do all their new hires. A, a certain individual applies, and he fit the profile we're looking for. He he did, uh, you know, he, he had been convicted repeatedly of obscene phone calls. And of, uh, annoying children and, you know, uh, there were, there were all sorts of things, you know, crimes involving children. So once he did, he applied for this regular job uh, coming out of a registry. We, he popped up on the radar screen. Obviously the hospital didn't hire him. We put out the word throughout the International Association for Hospital Security, you know, that this is probably the bad apple no one would hire him sure enough the problems stopped throughout LA. Mm. Wow.
0: What well, about what year was that, Jan?
2: This was back in the early 80s. Probably around 81, 82, something like that. Hmm.
0: So, <laughs> I hesitate to get into this story, but I but go ahead. You talked about um the Prince Albert case.
2: Oh, Prince Albert cut. Okay. Um, this friend of mine tells me her boyfriend has a, uh, a medical malpractice case and she wants to see if I can get him a lawyer. So, oh yeah, sure, come on, you know, you guys come on over. I'll, I'll do an initial report, write up a memo and I'll circulate it to attorneys. So the guy comes over with, uh, my friend and, uh, He's, uh, so I say, so what happened? He goes, well, I was doing the Prince Albert cut on myself. And I'm looking at him, what? Is I'm doing the Prince Albert cut? You know what that is, don't you? No, explain it to me. Uh, this is more than I bargained for. The Prince Albert cut is where you, it's otherwise known as penile bisection. Uh, theoretically, it should be done surgically. This nut had done it to himself without anesthesia. Uh, he, he cuts his penis in half, leaving the urethra on one side lengthwise. Now why someone would do this? Supposedly, supposedly, and, you know, uh, you know, God only knows what they're thinking, but supposedly it's supposed to make, uh, the sex better. Supposedly, uh, it exposes all sorts of nerves and everything that... Uh, I would think it would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so anyway, I'm aghast. I mean, I'm thinking, what? What is, what is this guy, where is this guy going with this? Does he want to sue himself for malpractice? I mean, he did it to himself. Where is this going... Is I know, of course, from the outset, I cannot possibly bring this guy to a lawyer. Right. I mean, I bring some whack cases to lawyers, you know, <laughs> but this they'll think I I need to be fifty one fifty on this, you know. I mean, it's straight jacket time if 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 I present this to anyone. So, um I'm I'm trying to get him to the point where he can't answer a question. You know, if he's got no answer, then I I can like dispose of this. So I go okay. So what happened then? He goes, "Well, I ran out of sutures, so I went over to the emergency room at Glendale Adventist Hospital, and I I tried to borrow sutures from them." (laughs) Right. Yeah, I I mean, I just picture this. You know, I I I think back to when I was a hospital security guard. You know, in, in the ER, and some nut like this would come in. Oh my God! So. So I go, so what did they do? Did they give you the sutures? He goes, no. They wanted to see what I had done. And they said they wouldn't give me sutures unless I showed them. So I showed them. And instead of giving me sutures, they called the Glendale police. They they put me in a straitjacket. They sent me to all of you.
0: Now All of you is a psychiatric facility, right? Exactly.
2: So I'm thinking, duh. I mean – what did you expect? But of course, I can't say that to his face, you know. Right. And I'm still trying to figure out what he thinks is malpractice about this, because that's what I would have done. I would have sent him in a straitjacket to all of you. <laughs> so I hey, well, So what happened to all of you? is well, I was in lockup for about 36 hours, and then finally a psychiatrist came on duty who knew what the Prince Albert cut was, and decided that I was just eccentric, not insane and let me go. Really? I think, oh, that must be the malpractice they let him go. <laughs> well, he was obviously a danger to himself and others. But no, that's not the way he saw it. So so finally I said, okay, so so what are you, I go, you know, in order to do this a uh, uh, malpractice suit, and again I'm trying to get him to a point where he can't answer a question. I go, I- in order to do a malpractice suit, You have to identify exactly what you say is the malpractice. So what are you saying is the malpractice? Well, at Glendale Adventist, they should have given me sutures. Okay, as crazy as it is, you know, he's got an answer for that, so I have to go to another question. So then I say, okay, so in order to have a malpractice suit, you have to have damages. So exactly what are your damages? And he thinks for a second, he goes, well, when I get an erection now, it hurts. <laughs> and, and one side curves over the right. I think, duh! <laughs> You cut your penis in half and you don't understand why it hurts. Exactly. You, you know, and and, and I, I'm, I'm picturing in my mind a like a knockwurst on a grill curling up. Which is <laughs> like, you know, I mean... I That's can't, a visual. <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine what this is. And I believe me, I did not want to see it. And, and by the way, this guy, he's, he's the king of piercings too. This guy had tit rings that were about... A quarter of an inch around, which he had inserted in himself without anesthesia, oh and he had a ring with a pound of gold hanging from one of his testicles that he pierced again without anesthesia. So, um, so anyway, whatever
0: whatever happened, did he just?
2: Well, well. Anyway, so he had an answer for that. So I had to move on to another question. Finally, I say, okay. Do you have a, an MD who is willing to sign a certificate of probable cause uh, for you to file a malpractice suit? Because you have to have a, a, you know an expert that's willing to attest to that mm-hmm. and in their opinion that, that was malpractice. He goes, "No, I haven't consulted anyone." Anything. I go, "Ah, good." He doesn't have an answer. I go, "I go, okay. Look, do me a favor." So we can, so I can write this up properly. Go out, get me a certificate of probable cause from a, uh, a physician, and then come back. For some strange reason, he was never able to find a doctor. We <laughs> would attest to that.
0: Did you ever talk to him again?
2: Oh yes, because eventually he got himself busted for doing, uh, for uh, telling an FBI agent over the phone that he was willing to do a clitorectomy. You know, otherwise known as female genital mutilation on a 15-year-old girl. So he wound up doing three years in federal prison over that.
0: (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, stay tuned for more about Weird and Wacky Investigations with Jan Tucker. We'll be right back.
1: on P.I.'s Declassified. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler.
0: Jen Tucker, California private investigator, is my guest today. and Jen and I have known each other for probably about 20-some years, and I can tell you that what I know from Jan, that the cases we've talked about today, these weird and wacky cases are probably only the tip of the iceberg of weird and wacky cases that Jan has been involved in as an investigator. And so, uh, so Jan, I guess uh, the message that we have here for our listening public is that no matter what who contacts you or what the subject matter is, you have to maintain a professional demeanor and ask professional questions to guide that person down wherever you need them to be to go forward with their case.
2: Or to get rid of it.
0: Or to get rid of it.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you know you know, I, I have this concept I call the yellow pages business. You know, when when you're listed in the yellow pages about Ninety nine percent of the cases you're going to, or the calls you're going to get, are people who are clinically insane.
0: Yeah,
2: and um, true. You know, there's. You know, we're not psychiatrists, yet. Even when you have clients who are relatively normal, clients and PIs tend to tell us things they will not tell their lawyer. They won't tell their. Doctor, they won't tell their priest or or rabbi, and they sure as hell won't tell their own psychiatrist.
0: And why do you think well, that does.
2: is? Uh, part of it is because of the TV image, you know, because people tell tell their PIs everything in the movies. Right. I, 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 you know, go figure. It's again, it's life imitating drama.
0: Yeah, but you're right. The, the you know, what you get, the kind of calls you get. As a result of um, internet or uh, yellow page advertising, and now even internet advertising.
2: Oh, exactly, exactly. Our- I remember, yeah, I remember years ago when I was with an agency at Beverly Hills uh, before I got my own license. You know, we had a yellow page sand. A typical call would be, uh, "I need you to come over and investigate my house because the Martians are sending beta rays into
0: yeah. it." Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that really is a common theme. Um people that are concerned that they're being followed or watched or listened to or uh, no matter where where they go and um it is it's a very common theme.
2: Yeah, paranoid delusions of grandeur.
0: Yeah. And then the other common theme of course is uh cheating spouses.
2: Oh god, yes. <laughs> you know, people people sit there you know, expect you to agree with their values. You know, so okay, so their um so so their wife or their husband cheated on them, you know, in their own bed while they were on vacation. You know, and yeah. you gotta listen to this as if as if you care. You know. Yeah, you know, you get jaded after a because you heard so much of right. it. You know, it just it's just absurd, you know. But thank thankfully we live in a uh in a uh no fault divorce state,
0: right, yeah,
2: before California went to no fault divorce, the l a yellow pages had sixty five pages of private investigators
0: really wow you
2: know, the year after we went to no fault divorce it was down to ten, and then gradually even that got sloughed off. everyone went out a lot of people went out of business after that.
0: Well, and Jan, people might be surprised to know that you're—you know—you're involved in a variety of uh, associations and groups, grassroots organizations that um, are anti-discriminatory. Um, you want to talk about that a little bit because that is yeah. really your passion.
2: Yeah, well, you know, this is what a feminist looks like. I'm co-president <laughs> of, a, of a chapter of the National Organization for Women.
0: Um, and you've been in that position for a number of years.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I, for years I, I have I refused to run. Then I got my arm twisted into it, and now I can't get rid of it. Uh, you know, I, I've also uh, recently taken on the role of uh, State Director of the California League of Latin American Citizens, but more apropos to the subject, you know, some people, some of my past affiliations are not too well known. Um, at one point, when the National Organization for Women came out for legalized prostitution, I wound up getting assigned as the liaison to Coyote. Call off your old tired ethics, the prostitutes rights organization. Mm-hmm. And that led to becoming vice president for PR of Dom, Defense of Mistresses. Referring to dominatrixes, and eventually, after I was in charge of security and PR at the 1997 Hooker's Ball, uh, I wound up becoming the vice president for PR of the National Sexual Rights Council. Mm-hmm. Um, now, <laughs> some of the stuff I saw in those roles, because I, you know, I'm really not into, you know, I'm not into the lifestyle, but hey, you know, if someone's got a legitimate grievance. Uh, you know, and, and, and a, a civil rights issue, you know, I'm there. So, for example, at, after the Hooker's Ball, the next night I wind up uh, with Xavier Hollander, the happy Hooker herself.
0: Uh huh. I remember this, that. Actually, I remember that.
2: Yeah, at this party in the Hollywood Hills. And, um, the, uh, this is, this ranks with one of the strangest things I've ever seen in my life. Um,
0: which has to be pretty strange, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh,
2: yes. Oh, um, yes. So this English actor friend of hers was sitting in a like, recliner, sh- recliner chair. I can't remember what he said that ticked her off, but he said something that just pissed her. Well, she's wearing a moo-moo and nothing else, big, big moo And she stands up, and she walks right up to him, pulls off, pulls up her moo and she's there stark naked. Now, she's not the young, at this point of her life, she's not the young, svelte thing she once was when she was the happy hooker.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And her breasts are as big as barrel cactuses. And she slaps him upside of the head with her Jeez. breasts. I thought the guy was going to get a concussion. Okay. Oh, you're too busy. much. Yeah, the stuff you see in this business is just <laughs> beyond belief.
0: I think you've probably seen more than most. Well, yeah. we, <laughs> we we have to close our show here. But um, just let me just say my featured sponsor this week is PI Magazine. A shout-out to the owners of PI Magazine, Jimmy and Rosemary Messis. And if you are interested in subscribing to PI Magazine, go to www.pimagazine.com. You will also find many interesting topics at that site. P- Jimmy and Roe have uh, own also own PI Gear and PI bookstore, so check it out. And a shout out to my talented and hardworking producer, Sandra Rogers, PI Declassified. And Voice America has a broad reach to advertise your business. If you're interested in being a sponsor, call Sandra at 480-553-5756. 480-553-5756. Our upcoming shows next week, former Secret Service agent Joe Polella a member of President John Kennedy's White House Detail. And then uh, September 6th, we will have author and investigative reporter Diane Diamond. And following her in September, we'll have private investigator and computer forensics expert Bob Radis. So again, tune in next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. Thank you, Jan. It's P.I.'s Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks for listening.
1: You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific time here on the Voice America Variety Channel.